Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. I thought I'd need a little, anybody have oxygen I can borrow right now? When I saw it on the schedule right before I preached, Megan and I were talking, I said, I'll do my best. All right. What a savior. Amen. What a savior. If you have your Bible, turn with me this morning to Hebrews chapter 11. It is so good to see each and every one of you. And uh, again, as Travis mentioned a few moments ago, if you're joining us with, for the first time or the first time in a while, thank you. Thank you so much for being in the Lord's house. You have not only honored us, you have honored the Lord by taking time out to worship Him. And I'm so thankful that you're here this morning. And uh, as you're turning to Hebrews chapter 11, I want to continue to ask you to be in prayer for a number of our folks who are recovering from surgeries, knee replacements, and, and uh, neck surgeries, as we know with Tim Rich Creek and, and whatnot. But also, I want to ask you to specifically to continue to be praying for uh, Vicki Wilcox, who is up at Georgetown University Hospital, and she'll be having uh, her TIPS procedure on Tuesday morning. Uh, Lord willing, that'll all go well and we'll be able to rejoice in what the Lord is doing there with her health. And then also I'd ask you to continue to remember uh, Russell Dodd, who is down at the Virginia Commonwealth University Hospital in Richmond. And it looks as though Tuesday, I know we were thinking it was going to be Friday, they held off. Uh, but looks like he'll have a follow-up surgery on Tuesday morning as well. And so uh, both surgeries looking to take place on Tuesday and I know that they would appreciate our prayers and well wishes, man. Isn't, isn't the Lord good? Man, what a Savior. When you think about how much He loved us. To leave His home. To be formed <laughs> with flesh wrapped around Him. To become our Savior. What a, what a Savior we serve. Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Look with me. We're going to begin right, uh, right away in verse 23 and following. And we're continuing our series on faith for today. So look with me and let's see what the Lord has for us this morning. Beginning in verse number 23. The Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And then verse number 29, the Bible says, By faith, they, they passed. 
through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we, we are so grateful. We are so grateful for the things that we were able to think about and learn in our Bible studies this morning. And God, as we've drawn together here in this place to worship you in spirit and truth, we are thankful for the truth that Jesus said he was the way and the truth and the life. And Lord, by faith, one day we will see him. We will see you as you are. Lord, what a Savior. What a God. What a wonderful day you've given us to worship you. Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage of Scripture, that you will do exactly what you desire today. Lord, we pray for those who may be watching or some maybe even in our midst who have never called out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin and life everlasting. Lord, I pray that you would, through the preaching of your word and the wooing of your Holy Spirit, that you would draw them unto yourself where they might find that forgiveness and eternal life. Lord, I pray for the ones who are having surgeries, those who are recovering, Lord, that you would show yourself strong in their lives and that your will would be done in each and every instant. And Lord, for us today, maybe there's somebody watching or here that, Lord, is struggling to walk by faith. I pray that today that they would be encouraged, that they would be blessed. But more than all, Lord, I pray that we'll all be challenged, that we'll be challenged to exercise courageous faith today and always. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it. And we pray this in the name that is above every name. And that is the name of Jesus, your son, the Christ. And we give you the praise for what you'll do. Amen and amen. Well, it is uh, good to, uh, to be in the Lord's house again. But as you look at the text, we just read, I mean, there's a great deal of faith going on between verses 23 and verse 29 being remembered. And over the course of this series... You and I have been blessed to see exactly what faith does. Remember, we're talking about the fruit of faith. And over these many, many weeks, we've we found that faith actually listens to God. And Enoch talked and, and shared the example that faith walks with God. And, and, and faith, uh, Abraham teaches us that faith obeys God. And, and we learn through Sarah that faith receives strength. Remember, she received strength to conceive seed and, and on and on in Isaac. Man, what an incredible story that Isaac, even though he is saved to bless one son, he submitted to God's will in that situation. And then we learned that uh, there's no doubt that if you have faith, you're going to be someone who actually worships God. Uh, caught you off guard, didn't I? Y'all were already thinking about lunch, weren't you? There's no doubt that if we have faith, if we are people of the book, if we are people who are walking by faith and not by sight, we are going to be people who actually take time to worship God. Right. All right, we're getting better. We also learned, discovered last week, that if we have a real faith, then we're going to have a hope. We're not only going to have a hope in this life, but we're going to have a hope in the life to come, as Joseph taught us. And so this morning, we're going to look at the example, obviously, of Moses. And God's Word provides us with more of the fruit that we see and more of the fruit of faith and how it produces. And if you look back in time, 500 years before Moses ever comes onto the scene, 500 years, think about that. 
before he ever comes on the scene, God reiterates his promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. Remember, this is right after he has is, he is gone to take Isaac, to offer Isaac. And God reiterates his promise to Abraham in Genesis 22 in verse uh, number 17 and saying that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And so when we think back, we know that Abraham begat or he fathered Isaac and Isaac he begets Jacob and Esau and after two generations, not a lot has happened. God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, right? And so after two uh, significant generations, not much, is, not much progress has been made. But then we find that Jacob, he has 12 sons. And it's a mess. Let's just be honest. We got Leah, we got Rachel, we got Bilhah and Zilpah, and we got kids running wild. And, and literally, we read the story of all the commotion between Joseph and his brothers, and we read of Joseph's slavery and his ultimate position before, uh, before Pharaoh. But even in the midst of all of this mess, things begin to change. Isn't that good? In the midst of our mess, God takes your mess and he takes my mess and he turns it around many times for his honor and glory. That's what I see all through scripture. You got a lot of messed up people in this book. But you know who's not messed up? And that's God. Our Lord is not messed up. He takes messed up people and flips things on their head even as Travis prayed. What, what, this, what this joker up in Maine meant for evil, our prayer should be that God will turn it for good. And that people might be saved because of this. I can't even begin to fathom. No one in this room can begin to fathom what they're dealing with. This is what our God does. Joseph's family, you remember last year, we were last week, excuse me, we were talking about how Joseph's family, right, comes to Egypt at his bidding and, and even Pharaoh agrees and God blesses them and provides for the family and, and uh, at the end of the story, God brings about a great calm and a great peace during this time at the end with Joseph's family. And we, we even saw last week, you remember when Jacob dies, Joseph's dad, when he dies, we even see that the, the Egyptians, they love Joseph. This is a slave, remember? And they love him and they love his family. So much so that we saw a couple of weeks ago, they mourn for Jacob for 70 days. These Egyptians, they love Joseph, they love his family, and all is well, right? And then last week we saw that culture changes. And after Joseph's death, the death of his brothers, and quite honestly, the death of the entire generation, we look back in Exodus chapter 1, and in fact, hold your place in Hebrews 11, and go back to Exodus 1, because I want us to flip back and forth. I want you to see, we're going to look at Exodus 1 and 2, but back in Exodus 1, remember we saw... That after Joseph dies, after his brothers die, after the entire generation dies off, in Exodus chapter 1, in verse number 8, Scripture says that a new king, a new king rose up in Egypt. And the Bible says that this new king, he knew not Joseph. And the reality is, the king, he feared the rapid growth of the children of Israel. Remember, he saw that they were growing, that they were multiplying, and he said, this is not good. And remember, I shared with you last week that his mindset 
was that if they had to enter into war, the problem would be that he was fearful that these Hebrews would take the side of their enemy and that there would be problems, right? And so we looked last week in verse number 11. You can look down there in Exodus 1. In verse number 11, the Bible tells us that the Pharaoh, he decides that this is not good. So he sets over these Hebrews, he sets the taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And remember last week we were talking about seasons of growth, seasons of trial, and season or times of deliverance. And the reality is that verse number 12 comes right after 11 and says, listen, but the more they afflicted them, isn't God something? Man tries to do something, man says, hey, I'm going to make it so hard, they're not even going to know what's going on. And the Bible says, but the more they afflicted them, the more, let's just go ahead and say it, the more God blessed The more they afflicted them, the more they tried to get rid of them, the more they tried to stamp down the growth of these people, the more God blessed. And they multiplied and they continued to grow. So what's the Pharaoh to do? He's got a problem. And so if you read on in the story, you, you, you find that he goes to the midwives and he tries this little, this little thing. He's like, hey, uh, you need to keep an eye. And whenever there's males born, we're going to get rid of the males. And the midwives, they don't listen to Pharaoh. Uh, don't know the rest of the story for the midwives, but the reality is when you get to Exodus chapter 1 and verse number 22, the Bible tells us that this new Pharaoh, instead of just talking to the midwives, he now charges all the people. He charges all the people saying, every son that is born ye shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save. Now listen, whether you've ever stopped to consider it or not, This right here in Scripture is the first attempt, but not the last, by an earthly dictator to actually give an order of ethnic cleansing. Right here in Exodus chapter 1. You say, did this just start recently? No, this has been going on for a long time. And again, Pharaoh's order, he gives it to all the people. He says, hey, if boys are born, you throw them in the river. And when he gives the order, he has an expectation. And the expectation is compliance. He gives the order and he expects that every child will be thrown into the river. Now, can I just say, can you imagine if the order is given, how all of a sudden it gets very hard, right, when babies are born, to hide anybody. The neighbor knows you have a baby, ma'am. They've been watching you for nine months. Babies just don't pop up out of thin air. And so the whole community around them is expecting these children. And, and guess what? They're going to find out whether it's a boy or a girl. Just, they just are. Anybody ever been involved in gossip? Yeah, I didn't think so. Word spreads. And guess what? If they're fearful of the Pharaoh, then they're going to tell on you. They're going to tattle on you. So it becomes a very difficult situation. And so you may recall that the same thing actually took place when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born. You remember in anger that it was King, uh, King Herod. He ordered that all the children, two years and younger, that they, that they be put to death. Right? He inquires of the Magi and, and he doesn't get all the answers that he wants. He doesn't get the news that he wants. The Magi's go home a different way. And in anger he says, you guys get down there and I want every child, two years and younger, to be put to death. It's the same thing happening over and over. However, 
in that case, God intervened. He intervened in the situation, and you remember they took Jesus. Where'd they take him? To Egypt. Isn't it ironic that Egypt keeps popping up over and over in God's word? The reality is Egypt was a place where God's children had to endure this affliction. Egypt was a place where Jesus' life was guarded. And as we see in our story, Egypt is a place where Moses' life was saved. What a Savior we serve. So as we get, as we get started, uh, we're going to start back in verse number 23. But as we get started, I want to begin by making a simple yet important statement for you and I here today on October the 29th, 2023. And I'm not going to harp on it. Maybe not, maybe a little bit. I'm not going to harp on it, but mom and dad, grandpa and grandma, I'm going to include you in the lot. Auntie and uncle, I'm going to include you in the lot. If you are a believer, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is crucial, watch what I'm going to say, it is crucial that your children actually see you exercising faith. About 12 people agreed. You want to know why only 12 people said amen and are nodding in the affirmative? Because that's stepping on our toes a little bit. It steps on our toes. It doesn't matter whether it's me or some other person preaching the word of God. It steps on our toes when we're reminded from God's word. As you're going to see here in just a second, it's incredibly important that if I say that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that I'm exercising faith because guess what? There are those who are watching, not only little ones, but our neighbors are watching. Our coworkers are watching. Everyone is watching to see if we're legitimate or not. Or if we're just a bunch of folks filled with hot air. And so it's important that we walk by faith. And so obviously, let me just say this. Faith cannot be inherited. We got it? Faith cannot be inherited. I don't care how much you walk by faith. That does not plant that faith into the life of your son or your daughter or anybody else. But I, I will say this. Faith can and should be exercised in front of our families. If we say we're people of the book, we're people of faith, then we ought to live it out. I just believe that. And so look at Hebrews 20, 11, 23, because the Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, watch the choice that is made by faith. Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment, their faith. Now, here's the big idea, and I'm going to reiterate it here in just a second in a longer way. The big idea is that their faith caused mom and dad to make a courageous choice. And if you have faith today, you may need to make a courageous choice. Some of us may be battling something. Maybe, maybe, maybe you have a decision you need to make. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to make the courageous choice to forgive somebody today. Maybe you need to make the courageous choice to do something for Jesus today. I don't know what, what, what your situation is individually, but I know that in this verse of Scripture that I find, it says, by faith, Mo, it says, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months. It wasn't Moses' faith that was the reason he was hid. It was his mom and dad's faith. It caused them to make a choice, a courageous choice. Remember, the king said, throw all the kids in the river. Kill them. Get rid of them. The only one he wanted to keep, which I keep rattling in my head. What, what's he thinking? He only wanted to get rid of the, the males. And so anyway, 
is what we find. But it's been said that when we trust God, we get what God can do. When we trust God, we get what God can do. And when we trust ourselves, anybody ever been there, done that? When we trust ourselves, we get what weak people can do. Oh, listen. Exodus chapter 2, if you flip over there, I'm going to flip back and forth. You, you should be there. Exodus 2, look at Exodus 2. Because in verse number 3, we read how mom and dad, they hide Moses for, for a few months. And, and then I'm guessing word starts to get out. It's a boy. It's a boy. It's a boy. It's a boy. And so guess what? Mom comes up with a plan. It's interesting to me that I don't find dad anywhere around making this uh, little ark. For Moses to, I don't know where dad is. I don't know where dad went off to. Maybe he's out doing something else. But he doesn't, isn't even involved. And so thankful for a mom who has faith, right? So she makes, she makes this ark uh, for, for Moses, his little personal ark for his journey down the river. And if you look at verse number five, you'll know that Pharaoh's daughter, she comes down to take a bath at the river. And in verse number five, the Bible says that she saw the ark. She saw the ark among the flags, and she sent her maid to fetch it. So she sees, and she sends her maid to fetch it. Look at verse number 6. Go on down in verse number 6, because the Bible continues by revealing that when she had opened it, that she saw the child, and behold, as soon as she opens it and sees the child, the baby weeps. And she had, watch these words, and she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. So she already knows, watch this, she already knows who the child belongs to. She already knows the Pharaoh's order is to do what? So literally what should have happened is when she opened it up and she sees the baby and after investigation, I'm guessing she figures out it's a boy, they should have dumped that thing over and let the baby drown. But God does something. He intervenes. Doesn't he do that for us all the time? He intervenes in the situation. And the Bible says she had compassion on him. Look at verse number 7. Uh, you, got, you got nosy Miriam. She's hanging out watching the show. And so Moses' sister, she's over there watching the show. But man, she's right on time because verse number 7 says uh, that she comes out and she asks Pharaoh's daughter. She notices that the, the response is good. And so she asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And then if you look in verse number 8, Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, said, Go, and the maid went and called... Hold on. It, God's got a sense of humor, too. Called, called the child's mother. Watch this. In that moment, the faith of mom and dad is rewarded by Almighty God. The, did you get that, mom and dad? When mom and dad courageously exercised faith, God intervened and rewarded mom and dad. And as a little bonus, if you, if you know the story, as a little bonus, mom actually got paid she, isn't that, a, isn't that a trick? She got paid to nurse her own child. I imagine tomorrow we're going to have a bunch of moms out here striking. I want fair pay for nursing my child, right? She nurses the child. But as we fast forward, 
you know the rest of the story. After being nursed of his own mother, Moses, he's returned to Pharaoh's daughter. He's raised in a palace. So now what we find is not only is he returned to Pharaoh's daughter, he's raised in the palace. And so we got a Jewish boy enjoying the lifestyle of the rich and the famous in Egypt. But as Hebrews 11 makes it abundantly clear, things are about to change. And the change that took place in Moses' life and the change that takes place in our life is all due to this incredible topic that we're talking about. It's all due to faith. It's the change that took place in his life, the change that takes place in our life, right? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. There's a change that takes place. I go from death to life. I go from not wanting to tell people about Jesus to telling people about Jesus. I go from being headed for an eternity separated from God to an eternity where I'll be with him forever and ever and ever. Amen. Oh, there's a change that takes place. When the Lord comes in. Look at verse 24 and 25 because the Bible says, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, and, and you can do the, the comparison, we're talking about he's, he's now about 40 years of age. And you say, where do you get that from? Go look it up in Acts chapter 7 and verse 23. You'll find out. He's about 40 years of age at this point. And so at this point when he comes to years, the Bible says that he refuses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather, verse number 25, to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. From these two verses and quite honestly from the whole passage, let me give you the big idea. You say, do you have 20 points? No, I have just one big idea today. Here it is. Faith makes courageous choices because faith is confident in the outcome. Faith makes courageous choices, just like, just like Moses' parents made a courageous choice to hide their son. Mom makes another courageous choice, says, you know what? I know that Pharaoh's daughter comes down, and she comes down to the river to bathe. I'm going to set my son in an ark. I'm going to cover it with pitch. I'm going to cover him up, and I'm going to float him down the river in his own little personal uh, kayak, and I'm just going to let God do the rest. You know, sometimes we just need to, Watch this. Sometimes we need to just take our hands off of things and let God do the rest. Sometimes I think we get so involved in, in our own scary situations that we mess things up. We get in the way of God many times. We think that we've got to do something. No, let's start exercising faith. This is what his parents did. And so faith makes courageous choices because faith is confident in the outcome. It's like Joshua of old. You remember Moses off the scene by now. And Joshua in Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 15. He's getting ready to die himself. And he tells everyone, he says, hey, listen, you're going to have to make a choice. Who you're going to serve. You're either going to serve the God of your fathers over a cross on the other river. Or you're going to serve the Lord. Can I tell you, in 2023, we're going to have to make a choice. We're either going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, or we're going to serve self or someone or something else. Faith makes courageous choices because faith is confident in the outcomes. By the way, I was meeting with a couple yesterday doing premarital counseling. 
We were talking about the fact that love is an action word. It's not sitting silent, doing nothing, saying nothing, knowing nothing. Love is an action word. Can I just lovingly suggest to you that faith is as well? Faith is an action word. That's why we have put this idea that faith is a tree. That faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But then all throughout the rest of Hebrews chapter 11, we're learning what the fruit of faith does, the fruit of that tree. What does it do? It obeys, it listens, it submits, it walks with God, it obeys God. It does all of these things. It receives strength from God. And, and so we see the fruit that faith brings about. And so in Moses' case, when we think about it, he had grown up in the palace. He's known as the son of the crown princess. He's given all the rights and privileges, right, of his new station in life uh, as a part of the royal family and of the household. And here's the crazy thing. While he's not a slave, you think about it. Think about Joseph. And while Moses is not a slave, the reality is he's positioned to become second only to Pharaoh. God just has a way of working things out, doesn't he? He's positioned to be second only to Pharaoh. But instead of hanging tight, enjoying the luxury and the, and the grapes and all that comes with that, verse 24, look at it again. It says that Moses, his courageous faith starts to do something. It says that he chose, he refuses, he refuses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy pleasures for a season. I don't know about you, I wonder how that made Pharaoh's daughter feel. There's a woman, she sees the baby. She's moved with compassion. She says, go, go find someone to... To, to feed this child, to nurse this child, I'll pay. And then and when, when, the, when the child's weaned, bring him to me and I'll raise him up. And so she's adopted Moses. Watch this. She's adopted Moses. She's brought him into the home. She's given him every advance of life. I mean, he, he was educated. Listen, he's doing big things. I wonder how it made her feel. I mean, the only reason he's alive... It's because God intervenes and she shows compassion. Pharaoh's daughter, she prepares him for greatness. I put in my notes. She prepares him for greatness. And the thanks that she gets, watch this, the thanks that she gets is that Moses makes a choice that I'm sure was not going to sit well in Pharaoh's court. And he makes the choice to suffer affliction with the people of God. Oh my goodness, his courageous choice reminds us of the, of the, of the work and, the, and, the, and, and what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did when he left his home, as we sang about. He left his home and he came down and he took on the form of a man in order to redeem us and to buy us. From our bondage to sin. Isn't that what Philippians 2 says in verse number 7? It says, Our Lord made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. He humbles himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Listen, Jesus, God of very God. If you read verse number 6, it says, He thought it not robbery because he was equal with God. He is God. But he humbles himself. He chooses, watch this, to come and humble himself. Why? For you and for me. What? 
I, I don't know. It blows my circuit breaker. God of love. Watch this. Action. He takes action on our behalf. Jesus leaves the pleasures and treasures of his home in heaven. And he chooses to become a humble servant in obedience to the Father. And I look at this story, and it's like Moses lived 1,500 years before Jesus. But just as John chapter 8 and verse number 56 talks about with Abraham, Hebrews 11 makes it abundantly clear that Moses saw Jesus from a distance. And you say, where do you get that from? Well, look with me in verse number 26. Because in verse number 26, the Bible says that Moses esteemed. That word means he considered or he deemed the reproach of Christ as being greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. So for, by faith, Moses believes that one day God himself is going to come down to his people. He, he's going to be mistreated. He's going to be reproached. And as a result, he's going to bring a reward for all of his people. But also by faith, Moses, he sees ahead in time to what God is going to do. You notice he says there in verse 26, he esteemed the reproach of of Christ. Now hold on to that. Some people get a little uh, scared when you see the word Christ there, but he sees the he see, he sees he considers the reproach of Christ greater riches. In other words, Moses by faith, he sees ahead in time and he says, "Here's what I'm going to do. By faith, I'm going to stand with God's people." In 2023, we need men and women and young people to stand not only for God, but to stand with God's people. In Luke chapter 9, in verse number 23, remember Jesus said these words. He, he said, if any man will come after me, right? Didn't know what he said? He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. That means every day we got to pick up that cross. And he says, and follow me. And if you remember from our series from Psalm 23, he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. And guess what sheep do? They follow the shepherd. He knows us, we know him, we know his voice, and we follow him. And this is what Jesus is saying. He says, listen, if any man's going to come after me, he needs to take up his cross, right? He needs to deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And Jesus, he took up his cross for you and me, and he calls you and I to do the same on a daily basis. Oh, it's been said that God had only one son without sin, but he has no sons without a cross. Every day we're to pick up our cross and to follow him. And the cross that we carry today may change tomorrow, it's evident, but we can be sure that in every season of life there will be some costs associated with following Jesus. In reality, I put down here, Moses' example teaches us that this is the only way that you and I can live our lives, by faith. Because by faith, faith makes courageous choices because it understands that this world and this life are very, really brief. This life is passing by. The more I look, the more I realize. It's getting rough when I look in the mirror. I used to be a good looking dude. And now I look in that mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall. What happened to you? 
Not who's fairest of all. I know the answer to that. But I look and I see that time is moving on. You know, it's like that old saying, only this one life to live. We only have this one life to live. And only what's done for Christ will last. Faith makes courageous choices. Listen, 40 years 40 years, uh, uh, Moses, he makes this courageous choice because he understands the world and this life are passing by. In verse 25, it says, by faith, he chooses rather to suffer affliction. So for 40 years, he'd enjoyed living the royal lifestyle, enjoying the finer things, riding in chariots, overseeing the building of uh, these huge structures and on and on. But in faith, he understood, watch this, that God had a greater purpose for him. Can I tell you God has a great purpose for us? Yes, we're to fear God and to keep his commandments, but we're to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Oh, we have a greater purpose in this life. And the only way that we can live it out is by faith. Faith also makes courageous choices because it knows faith's reward. Look at verse 26. The Bible says, by faith, Moses considered the reproach of Christ. Now, let me just suggest that reproach of Christ, the idea of believing the Messiah is to come, believing that something better is coming, that God has a plan, that he is going to take care of things once and for all. They're going to go into the promised land physically, but one day we're going into the promised city, right? That country, a heavenly country, as we talked about, as Hebrews 11, verses 10 and 16 point to. And so Moses believes this because the Bible says he considered the reproach of Christ worth more, greater riches. That's what he's saying. Worth more than the treasures in Egypt. And watch what it says. And he had respect unto the recompense of the war, of the reward. Listen, there's no doubt in my military mind. There's no doubt in my military mind that God would have used the example of his mom and dad's faith. Watch this. And, and Travis and I even talked about this. I don't know that I remember much from my age of two, three, or four. But I believe God used the example of his parents' faith, and I also believe God used the example of all those Hebrews around him, right, to arrest the faith that was there in Moses, to bring him to this decision and devotion in his life. In fact, isn't that what the Bible says? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Listen, don't allow when it says he esteemed or he considered the reproach of Christ, don't allow that reference to Christ to throw you off in verse number 26 because I just want to say it would have ju been just as easy for Almighty God, the sovereign God of the universe, to reveal uh, things about Christ to Moses just as he did with Isaiah, the shepherds, or anyone else. Just because you don't read it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And I'm not trying to input anything in the scripture. I'm just saying don't discount what God can do. Hebrews 11 says, in verse number 6, it says this, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
Moses had faith. He believed that God was a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I just put in my notes, Moses had faith, and that faith that he had factored in eternal things in his life. He was looking for something more than what was right in front of him. In this life, you and I will endure our own seasons of suffering. I was talking about that a little bit on Wednesday night. The reality is we'll endure our suffering, but faith does so. You and I can endure suffering by faith, knowing that the outcome is going to be in our favor, right? So courageous faith makes decisions or choices because faith is confident in the outcomes. Listen, faith does so. When I factor in eternal things, I, I get my sight away from me, myself, and I, and I put my sight on things above. That's what Colossians 3 talks about. But the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians, in his, in his second letter, he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse number 17 and 18, he says this. He says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary or temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. By faith, Moses made courageous choices because he was confident in the outcome. In other words, he constantly factored in eternal life. Is that how we live? Do we constantly factor in our choices based on eternity? Because I got news for you. I think we ought to enjoy this life. And I think the Lord's done a lot and blessed us in this country to enjoy a, a great deal of things. But do you know it matters not what type of car I drive? For my enjoyment level, maybe. It doesn't matter if you have a Mustang and you can zip, zap, zoop here, there, and whatever. It doesn't matter if you have a Corvette. It doesn't matter if you have a... Escalade, uh, it, it's kind of like one of those drinks you get at Starbucks, the Escalade. You ever seen those? You'll get it later. Escalade. Some of y'all are like, what? what's an Escalade? <laughs> what's an Escalade? <laughs> it doesn't matter. What matters is do I have faith in Jesus Christ? What matters is do I have a relationship with him? What matters is, am I living my life in a way that brings him honor and glory? Right? Moses constantly made choices with the eternal things in mind. Let me just say this. As we follow Jesus, we're going to have to do the same thing. And let me add on. Was Moses' faith perfect? Wow, y'all are quick to break him down, weren't you? That was one question that seemed like everybody answered. And we love to tear people down, don't we? No, he didn't have a perfect faith. Nah. No, his faith wasn't perfect. Because look at Hebrew or Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2 actually shows us that his faith isn't perfect. If you look at Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 12, the Bible tells us that Moses, he actually tries to hide the body of the Egyptian taskmaster that he kills. Remember, he sees the Egyptian taskmaster, one of his own, beating a Hebrew brother, right? 
and something clicks inside of him. Something has brought him to the point where he says, no more. I'm choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the riches of heaven. I'm going to do this because I'm exercising some courageous faith. And so he stands up for his Hebrew brethren who are being beaten. And so you remember if you read in scripture, he looks this way, he looks that way, and then he takes the guy out. And then what does he do? He doesn't exercise faith. He doesn't drag his body back and say, hey, look, I took him out because he was not doing what he was supposed to do. No, what does he do? He hides him in the sand. He's like, nobody knows what just took place. Let me hide him in the sand. Not much faith there. How about the times that Moses doubted or disobeyed God? He said, do this, and Moses would do something else. And he doubted God. You remember even after this Exodus chapter 2 experience, what's the first thing we find in Moses? He says, hey, I can't even talk. How are you going to use me? God says, hey, you just go and do what I tell you to do. That's what he's saying to us too. He says, you don't have to be eloquent of speech. I'm going to give you the words to say. You speak what I tell you to say. Quit worrying about what you're going to say. I'll help you. And so we see this over in time that his faith isn't perfect. But look, there are times that Moses' actions, yes, they're less than stellar. But look at verse 27 back in Hebrews 11. Because scripture gives us some more clues about the nature of his courageous and confident faith that has been remembered in God's word and highlighted for us. It says, by faith that he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Now hold on to that. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they, or his faith, I just say his faith was contagious here, right? It says that they passed through the Red Sea and is by dry ground, which the Egyptians, they essayed to do the same thing, but the Bible says they were drowned. Now, if you go back to Exodus chapter 2, in verse number 14, after killing the Egyptians, the Egyptian, the Bible says that Moses feared and said, remember the next day that one of the Hebrews comes up to him and he says, oh, 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 what are you doing? And Moses, he fears because now he knows that his crime, that his sin is known. Isn't that what we do sometimes? Watch. Nobody sees me. I can get away with it. Let me just say, God sees you. You're not getting away with anything. But that's what we do. We go, I don't see anybody over there. I don't see anybody over there. Anybody back? Anybody? I'm all alone. I can get away with whatever I want to get away with. No, you can't. That's why it's so important that we take the lessons. Even the, even the smaller lessons that we see in Scripture sometimes become big lessons for us. And so you see here in Exodus chapter 2, right? He, 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 he says, surely this thing is known. But look at verse number 15. Because when Pharaoh finds out, he finds out that he had killed one of the Egyptians. The Bible says that he actually now wants to slay Moses. Forget my sister's boy. I want to kill him. And the Bible says that Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. Now let me just say this. It does not say that he feared Pharaoh. It says that he fled from the face of Pharaoh. Where does it say he feared? You have to look back up in verse 14. It says he feared and said, surely this thing is known. He's fearful that his sin is now known. He's not fearful of Pharaoh. 
He's not afraid of Pharaoh as evidenced when he comes back to Egypt. But the reality is when I look at the progression of the text from verse number 27, 28, and 29, it seems as though the faith that is exhibited in verse number 27, and I'll go back there in chapter 11, is referring to Moses' personal departure from Egypt, his travel to Midian, and his awaiting on his next set of instructions from God. Now, I know someone is going to say, well, I think it's when he took the children of Israel out. Well, you and I can disagree agree all day long, but some of you may be saying, well, pastor, if that's the case, if you believe it's about his personal departure, I believe God's word is a, a word of order. I don't believe that he would jump forward and backward in the story, right? And so I believe that it sets in order. And here's another question that I would say. Some people might say, well, then, if he wasn't afraid of Pharaoh, the Bible says he wasn't, by the way. Uh, that's all I need. If he wasn't afraid of Pharaoh, why didn't he just take the children of Israel out at that point? Well, there's two reasons. <laughs> two reasons he doesn't take the children of Israel out at that point. Number one, God's people were not ready for Moses to be the leader. God's people were not ready for Moses to be the leader. And you say, where do you get that from? Well, back here in Exodus chapter 2, look at verse 14. In the Bible it talks about one of these two men that Moses encounters the day after, right? He stands up for the, uh, the Hebrews, and then the day after he encounters one of the Hebrews, and the Hebrew comes to him and he says, Who made thee a prince or a judge over us? Who do you think you are? In other words, this player was not about to follow Moses. Who do you think you are? He says, Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? So number one, God's people were not ready for Moses' leadership. And number two, let's just be honest, Moses was not ready. Moses wasn't ready. He had had 40 years in the palace, and now God is going to send him out into the desert of Midian for a 40-year Bible college training session. God help me. The years I spent in Bible college were enough. Can I tell you there are a lot of people who go to Bible college to die? I'll be honest with you. Sadly, if they're not careful, they get so high-minded and everything that they're not really willing to serve the Lord. It's, it's sad. But when we look at this 40 years of training, because Moses' life is broken into these 40-year segments, 40 years in the palace, 40 years in the, Midi, in the desert of Midian, and then he comes back and, and the people go out and he's 40 years out in the wilderness. What a life. Who wants to sign up? Right? That's what we're thinking. Who wants to sign up for this life? They weren't ready to follow Moses. He wasn't ready to lead. And so I put the question down on my paper. Who could endure 40 years in the desert? Who could endure it? By the way, I also put out to the side of my notes. I don't need to look at it. Maybe you're here this morning. And you feel like you've been living in the desert or wilderness for 40 years. Can I tell you God has a plan for your life? He has a purpose for your life. Whether you're living in the palace or the desert or out in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, God wants to use you. He wants to work in your life. And so Moses, you say, well, how did he endure? The Bible actually tells us. The Bible actually gives us a clue as to how he endured. Look at verse uh, 27. In verse 27, back in Hebrews chapter 11, 
Because the Bible says, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Now watch. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. In other words, Moses' faith continues to factor in eternal things. By faith, it's as if Moses could see the Lord standing right beside him in the middle of the desert. Listen, isn't that what Hebrews tells us? The Lord, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But it also tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Interesting. By faith, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Who was invisible at that moment? He couldn't see him. But guess what? He had faith and believed it. He endured that testing in his life and that training. The courageous and confident faith of Moses didn't stop there. Because if you read on, and we'll not go into it into detail, but the reality is God, after God gives him his instructions, Scripture reveals that Moses' faith it leads him back to Egypt to face Pharaoh once again. His faith causes him to keep the Passover as you read on in verse number 28 to paint the blood right of the sacrificial lamb on the sides and the upper doorpost for God's protection over physical death. Right Today, by faith, you and I, as I mentioned a moment ago, we pass from death to life because of the sacrificial blood of Jesus that covers us and washes away all sin. Isn't that good? Oh, I'm so thankful for that. That by faith, we have the same freedom, the same deliverance that they had. By faith, Moses was strengthened to lead God's people out of Egypt. And by faith, he was enabled to take that rod, that rod that God had given him. And he reached down and he touched the water. Can you imagine? You ever been to a magic show? This isn't like pulling a little proverbial rabbit out of a hat. He touches the water. I bet it was faster than that. And you know what? The Bible says they pass through as on dry ground. Not even the ground was soppy. I would have thought that would have been a muddy mess. But God said, no, you pass through. This is what faith did, courageous faith. He exercised faith and he exercised courageous faith. Why? Because he was confident in the outcomes. Oh, listen. Moses made choices for God because of this confidence. And if you look at uh, Adam Clark's commentary, I like it, on this last verse of Hebrews eleven twenty nine. 29. Here's what he said. he said. He said, the one group walked by faith. He said, the other by sight. He said, one group perished and the other was saved. One walked by faith, one walked by sight, one group perished, the other was saved. I just say to you and me, Let's be people of courageous faith because we can be confident in the outcome. We can be confident knowing that, that one day, one day as we sang, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Oh, listen, this is what our Lord has done for us. I wrote down a couple of questions and so I conclude with my questions. What courageous choice do you need to make today? What is it? What's going on in your life? See, I don't know. But you know as soon as I said that. You knew as soon as you came in, before you came here today. You knew this morning. Maybe there's something going on in your life where you just need to trust Jesus and say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to exercise some good old-fashioned faith because Moses had courageous faith 
And guess what? He made choices based on that courageous faith. It was the same courageous faith that his mom and dad exercised. And so he makes these choices because he's confident in what God would do. And so I don't know what courageous choice. You know what? Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Can I tell you? That's, that's biblical. We ought to be forgiving people, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Maybe, maybe, you need to, maybe you need to ask God for wisdom about a decision that you're getting ready to make. Or maybe you need to circle back and say, God, I made a decision. Is this really what you wanted me to do? Right? Don't ever put the cart before the proverbial horse. What is the courageous choice you need to make? And then also, I just ask, are you focused on eternal things? Because you see, courageous faith focuses on the eternal, not the temporal. Are you focused on eternal things right now? Or are you focused on all the stuff? Our jobs, our homes, our clothes, whatever. Jesus said, take no thought for those things. Your father knows what you have need of. We don't have to worry about those things. But sometimes we get anxious trying to plan, trying to figure out what's coming tomorrow. Listen, just walk by faith today. And then tomorrow when you wake up, walk by faith again. And God will give you the victory. That's what we need to do. We need to be people who walk by faith courageously. Why? Because we confidently know the end or the outcome. Father, we love you. God, we come before your throne now. And we ask for you to do what only you can do in the hearts of your people. Lord, through the preaching of your word and the wooing of the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that something that was said today fell upon the good soil of hearts. God, I pray for people to make decisions by faith, to exercise courageous faith because of their confidence in the outcome. Lord, I pray that first and foremost, that if there's somebody in this room or somebody watching online that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, that they would courageously, by faith, call out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. Maybe there's somebody here who needs to exercise faith in some other regard. Maybe they're seeking wisdom. Maybe they need to forgive somebody. Maybe they need to uh, seek your forgiveness. Lord, whatever the need is, I pray that faith will be exercised in this moment. God, as we open up this altar here, it's a place of acknowledgement. It's not a place of embarrassment. It's a place of acknowledgement. And so, Lord, we acknowledge your supremacy in this moment. And I pray that you have your will in your way as we sing this song of invitation. For it's in your son's name that we pray. And for his sake, amen.